Hey everyone, thank you for joining me for another episode of Beer with Marketeers. Today I am joined by Ian Moyes, who is the Chief Revenue Officer of One Up Sales and not actually a marketer. So I'm looking forward to this episode. Ian, thank you so much for joining me. More than welcome. And uh, I think everyone now, if, if you're a sales leader, you should dip into marketing and know stuff about it, right? So, so I think that it will be an interesting conversation. I wholeheartedly agree. But before we get into it, I have a very important question. What are you drinking, sir? So right now I'm not because my cup's not there, but normally I would be drinking tea and, and, I, and I'm, a, I'm a dunker and a dropper. And what that means is you'll often catch me dipping the biscuit in and then not paying attention and losing half the biscuit in the tea. Love that. And, and no, that bit of the biscuit, though, is the best bit. If you can, re if you can recover it, it's the nicest bit of the biscuit. <laughs> now, we are filming this on a Wednesday at 1.30. I'm drinking a Copperberg, so please don't judge me. But, uh, you know, such is life. I'm in the garden enjoying, enjoying my time. So it's all good. Uh, Ian, for the people that don't know you, do you mind giving a quick introduction to how you got into sales and how you got started? Yeah, I'll do it very quick uh, and it'll probably lead into what we talk about. One of my things that's important is, is always being agile and learning. Um, so I, I started as a programmer. You know, I fell into computing age 14 at school. I won't say which computers because it'll age me, but I, I was hooked. And so everything was about programming. How do I get it? Got a job at IBM, you know, programming, um, analysis, support, doing all that interesting stuff. And then I saw an inside sales job going where um, it, I was aspirational and I saw salespeople out there at that time with company cars, mobile phones at the size of a suitcase, but no one had mobile phones unless the company bought it for you because they were extortionate. And I thought, how hard can that be? I know what I'm talking about and, I'm, and I want to progress. So I, against everyone's advice, left programming to become a salesperson. So I, I was inside sales. Uh, worked incredibly hard out coming up for a year I was promoted to field sales doing channel uh, in Nobel networking as it was in those days so when lands and and the network was just just taking off and then through my career moved into uh, sales management leadership um, direct sales different so I've been involved in lots of different areas so always in technology and for my pleasure for the last 15 years I fell into cloud computing and uh, I've been there in the last 15 years. Very, really interesting because it drives the transformation we're seeing across both now the business area, but also consumers. A lot of what we see in the consumer world behind it, all these wonderful Internet of Things devices, is cloud computing and the power and flexibility it brings. Absolutely. And uh, that was with uh, Rackspace, was it? I, I've been with Rackspace. That was one of the roles I've been in. I've been with hosting providers. but. I also worked in uh, the CRM space for three years and the uh, telephony space for four years. So I've seen a lot of the different value that uh, cloud can bring to businesses. And it helps me in, what I'm, in engagement and conversations I'm having today. Amazing. And the CRM knowledge must have helped with your role at One Up Sours, I imagine. Absolutely. And the telephony piece, because what, what, what we do is a nice segue, actually, not to do a pitch, but at one up, what we do is we provide a platform that sucks the information for recruiters out of their CRMs and out of their voice phone systems and timesheet products that sucks that information into one platform and then does wondrous things with it, making it you know, more, more easy to digest, gamification, and blah, blah, blah. So, yeah, the conversation I'm having every day around CRM um, and voice, my comfort zone, you know, I, I work those markets. So, I, I often what I'm finding is I'm able to add insight and value 
to the recruiter I'm discussing, you know, talking to, they'll be looking at what phone systems or they'll have questions or how do we handle mobile? There'll be stuff coming in that sidestep from my uh, one-up role that I can add value to them on advice based on what I've done for seven years. Amazing. And Derry is a close friend. Derry is the CEO over at One Up, and he's a programmer. I would argue now he's in sales, whether he likes to admit it or not, I don't know. So the background you two share must be a really interesting dynamic on the day to day. Yeah, it's interesting because I because I always uh, I've always had that appreciation of of technical people and and can relate to them. I always say I'm not a tech anymore, right? You can't keep your edge, but that's where I came from. So so I get it. I get their language. I get their drivers, motivations, behaviors, and challenges. Um, so hopefully what I, what I bring in the, in the to the customer and the from the sales side is a realistic approach of um, you don't get me and my team promising things can be done in three seconds when I know actually architecturally what's involved, the implications of what we may have been promising, what's the impact on the back end of the business and what's the impact on the customer of getting that wrong. So I'm much more pragmatic, I think, because of my technical background in how I approach uh, the engagement and delivery to customers. Absolutely. And do you think that aided your relationship with marketing over the time, over your career? Yeah, well, marketing is interesting because I've, over my career, I've worked in seven smaller businesses. I've, I've done the large corporation. I, I run a big team across a multi, uh, massive, sort of one of the biggest software global companies across Europe, blah, blah, blah. But my sweet spot is I've worked for seven smaller companies, helping them accelerate growth, fall through to exit. And in that, you have to get your hands dirty, right? You can't, you don't live in an ivory tower with a nice job title. You have to get hands on. And you're, in, you're even, you know, you've got marketing there, separate team, but you're embedded, you're, you're working closely. So I've worked closely with marketing for many, many, many years um, and, and get the, you know, their drivers, their KPIs, their motivations. And now, you know, one up our own sales and marketing, which makes it a lot easier. But the key for me is the two should be working hand in hand collaboratively, not um, often as you see, you know, uh, the bumping heads. And I, I've spoken on panels at many sales conferences where you've got sales and marketing leaders in the audience. And that has been a big topic. You know, oh, well, in our company, we have this, and they're bumping heads. And it's because no one's aligned them on their agendas of, you know, simple example, marketing gets, well, we've got to do an event, bring as many leads in as you can. That's their KPI. Sales then is drive the leads through to closure and measure. Well, marketing bought in X number of hundreds of leads. Sales has done a poor job because, well, look at the conversion rate. It's rubbish. Sales's fault. Sales's argument will be, yeah, but a lot of those were suspects. They weren't leads. They weren't, they weren't, they didn't fit. You know, we gated them out. We asked a few questions and they didn't have platforms that, integrate with us or this sort of thing why didn't you two work together have less leads come in and have them of the right type at the first point you're now at loggerheads because you're both trying to blame someone else and it happens right it, it's yeah. so so common it's frightening and it shouldn't the overall goal is to drive increased revenue for the business customer acquisition and customer retention now figure out what which part you both play to complement each other and deliver that result do you think it comes down to the measurement? Often we, you know, we measure marketing on MQLs and then we have SQLs. Do you not think we could simplify it by just measuring revenue? I think you need the separate measurements, but they've got to be aligned to each other and not, you know, you get the, well, marketing's got MQLs, so you've hit your target, but sales doesn't hit, hit it's his. Well, you know, define what is an MQL. You know, does marketing really 
generate, understand and generate what sales really wants? Are you talking to each other or are you defining them separately? So I've always worked very closely with CMOs and marketing directors in terms of let, let, let's bang this out at the beginning, not, not an after effect. Let's work out the beginning and let's work out how I help you as marketing achieve your goals so you're successful and vice versa. Let's under, understand each other's challenges and pains and work collaboratively. And it doesn't happen. It's usually a conversation. And then you go off and do your plan and do your stuff to the board and I'll do mine. Well, hang on a second. There sh shouldn't be any surprises. Um, and they should be reporting up to the same person who collaborates and, and forces that. You know, there's no rocket science to this, but people still get it wrong. The reporting line is an interesting point. Do you think that marketing should report to sales or do you think marketing should report to the CEO? I think they should report to the same person and then be working to, to goals that align across both. Too often, they're, they're working in silos and that's the problem, right? So I own, I own both now. Am I a marketing expert? No, but I've done a lot in it uh, and I'm working with a marketing. And I, so I don't have that problem because what I'm doing is saying, look, this is what we need to generate for marketing. This is the goal we've got in revenue. How much of it's going to come from marketing? How much of it's going to come from sales? How much of it's going to come from alliances and partners sat under marketing? Let's break down where it's going to come from. Let's not just say, I need 400 leads from you, marketing. Good luck, figure out how to do it. Let's figure out together and work out what's practical and what's going to work. Let's not set you up to fail. Let's not set marketing up to, you've got to generate 400 leads. So therefore, you will, you will do everything to generate that KPI. I don't want 400 leads. If 300 of them are going to burn a lot of time and effort and aren't what I want. I'd rather have, you know, the, the, how do we adjust this? So the close ratio means you need less leads, for example. Mm -hmm. right? If you get the right leads, why I've worked with marketing again and again to say, right, well, face value, you need 400 leads, right? But if I can tune the close ratio and we can move the average deal value, what is the impact does that have on what you need to deliver me? Oh, actually, you only need to deliver me 250 now. Okay, so I've made your job easier, but I want the right quality within the 250 now. So it's quality, it's a mix, right? Too often it's just numbers game. Sales is a numbers game and everyone just works to generate this number, generate this number and just churn the metrics. And then at the end of it, they go, well, we didn't get the result. Well, how does that work? Because they haven't looked at it more granularly of the quality mixed in with the quantity. It, it's not just a pure numbers game. That is a contributory factor, but it isn't just the numbers. I completely agree. Completely agree. And in terms of what you're doing to achieve your numbers, what's um, some of the marketing activities you're doing at the moment at one up that you're seeing uh, really work in the business? Yeah, so interestingly, my my... There's a lot of, I think there's a lot of FUD that goes on. We're doing an event, we're doing some event, selected events and, and some places you've got to be, right? But my fundamental is, how do I, firstly, how do I define my target audience? Who is the, who is the ideal customer profile, right? It isn't, so we sell to recruiters, but who within that is the ideal customer profile? Who is it from the data we've got is the most likely to buy, right? Who is it we give the most value to? Okay, so why if we can understand that and we continue, that's a continual thing, right? The more data points you get, the more accurate you get on that. So if we define that and then keep tuning it, how that that's that 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 defines what part of the market we can address. Now, do we have the data on that part of the market? Do I know who everyone who meets that profile is, or how can I get to that as efficiently as possible? 
and then let's how do we target it on a mix of uh, nurturing campaigns from marketing the usual stuff where are those customers going to get influenced by so there's our ideal customer profile that's how many there are that meet it let's get the data if we can where do those get their influence where do they go for information what associations what memberships what info what what social feeds well what publications what is, where do they get their information that we can influence right so, so how do we get into their sphere of influence um and then i've got sdrs who pick up the phone right pick up the phone and have a meaningful conversation about the value we can give and if i'm talking to the right ideal customer profile and we've made sure they've got the right information at hand, isn't it more valuable to talk to them and go, other people like you who meet this criteria, here's evidence I've got of the value we bring to people like you. Not just, you're, you're just one of a generic, roughly, here's some mud at the wall. It's very specific. Using that CRM system with that VoIP system, we have tons of people using it, and here's a, some specific examples of value they get. And all I want to do is find out if we can give you the same value. And the likelihood is that there's going to be commonality because we've honed the messaging. And that's what we're working on, right, is who the, who the ideal customer profile is, how do we identify them, and how do we get the right pertinent messaging to them that is relevant to them, rather than go after the universe and go after generic information and throw it at each other and hope some of it sticks. So, it, so it's targeted messaging to the right people who should care um, and, the, and the profile that we can give the most value to. Absolutely, and the part I loved of that was pick up the phone, because actually yeah. it, all, it all leads to a conversation, right? And that's the main thing, is you just want to have better conversations rather than lots of conversations. Yeah, which is ironic, because I'm a social seller, right? I, I've spoken on social selling and personal branding, all that stuff for years, and, but, it, but what surprises people when I do is, I describe it as it is a complimentary tool in your kit bag, that works alongside traditional methods. But if you can pick up the phone and speak to someone, then do that. It's a lot quicker and more direct because that's what all of that stuff designed to do, right? If I want to nurture it by social and do all, all, all the right methods, the end result that I want is a conversation, not a communication, it's a conversation with a human being about, you know, is the common ground where we can bring value to each other? Well, if I can get to that quicker, take the shortcut. Absolutely. And you mentioned you mentioned where people get their influence. Now, LinkedIn is obviously one of the major platforms in the recruitment space where people get yeah. their influence. So and you also just mentioned you're a social seller. Obviously, that's um, largely what Pager is here to do to help recruiters build their personal brands and to have that influence on people. How important is personal branding within your sales organization at the moment? I, I think it's critical. I think it's critical across industry, not just recruitment, but the industry and for your career. Um, you know, I fell into this, but I often get people say to me, well, personal brand, I'd be interested in, in, in your opinion and what you experience, but per, Darren, that personal brand, well, yeah, but it's not for me because I'm not a celebrity or I'm not. And I said, guys, you have a personal brand, whether you know it or not, right? It is other people's perception of you. Forget social media. If someone said, well, uh, have you had engagement with Darren? Yeah, we bumped it in a, an event and we had a meeting and we said, whatever, whatever their perception is of you is your personal brand in their eyes, right? It's anything they've gained from you now to today's world a lot of that is social because you can look someone up in seconds i could search your name in google and it's invariably going to find the social platforms anything you're on anything that's public anything that's out there it's it doesn't take a lot of effort to, to find it particularly if you've got a more unusual name you know my ear moist makes it easier to find if it's paul smith yeah you might get a little bit lost but on linkedin they'll find you so 
your first impression that when I first joined sales, it was, well, the fir first impression counts. The first impressions made in the first 50 seconds, all, all those different mantras that people talk about. Often now the first impression is digital, right? They'll glance at your profile, they'll see what they can see um, and your personal, and that's in um, your engaging with prospective customers and in the recruitment sector, engaging with candidates as well. And if you are a candidate, how, uh, too often I get, well, it's never done me any harm. Okay, how do you know that? Because who's going to yeah. tell you, well, we checked you out on social and stuff and we just didn't think you cared about it or really got what's going on in the world now, or you didn't look, or it didn't link with your CV. It, it was out of sync and your know, attention to detail didn't. Who tells you that? What you get is, no, yeah, afraid, I'm afraid you weren't shortlisted. And well, even, even in sales, actually, you know, if you think if you made some of it, maybe a cold call, before they call you back, they will search who you are. If you send someone an email, they will search who you are. And if they like what they see, they might call you back. But they won't call you back to tell you they didn't like what you saw. So they're not going to say, hey, I didn't call you back because your LinkedIn wasn't great. You know, well, so you, you need to be on top of it. You really even do. worse today, Darren, I've described, you know, the world we've been in due, due to COVID, you know, we're used to being on camera now in video meetings um, and, and heavily in the recruitment sector uh, with, with products out there like Audro, you know, being used to drive that. Um, well, if you're on video, we're on video right now, Doug. You could not tell if on a second screen here, I haven't just pulled up your profile. My hands aren't showing, right? I put them here, they're not, but mm. it'd be very easy for me to type, particularly if you're on a, on a group call where there's seven of you and someone's on there you didn't, you know, someone's appeared on that that you didn't expect. I'll tell you now, other people on that call are probably pulling you up on LinkedIn and, and searching for you to see, well, who, who's Alice who's just appeared? I didn't know she was going to be on the call, but who is she? How many of them go, excuse me, can I ask you Alice's? No, what they'll do is they'll think other people know, so I'll look her up on LinkedIn and have a look. Right? While, they're talk, while they're talking to them, it's the, it, the behavior of people has changed. We used to be meeting people in the meeting room and rushing from another meeting. Now, quite often, you're in front of a PC five minutes before you speak to them and during it. So the, the, the likelihood you will be checked out digitally has gone through the roof. There is no doubt about that. Absolutely. And for smaller recruitment agencies, um, I think that accounts for your company brand as well, because quite a lot of people neglect that. Their LinkedIn company page is a ghost now and they haven't posted in nine months. Actually, yeah. people will look at that and actually wonder if you're still in business. So you need to you need to embrace marketing if you're a, a solo solo recruiter all the way through to your large enterprises. Um, and I think I think it's key on a personal level. If you had your time again, would you invest in your company brand or your personal brand to begin with? So what I would do is probably push the company brand more to do to do a better job, right? Because I've learned this through doing my own brand, through doing social selling, by being invited to be on panels and podcasts and events and going, oh, actually, and slowly, slowly over the last 10 years, realizing, hang on a minute, there is a game to be played here. And the majority of it is free because the social platforms are free. It's whether you choose to play it. Through doing that, I've ended up as a social influencer for the likes of IBM, Huawei, Comvoc, blah, 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 Oracle, SAP, lots of vendors. Um, I didn't reach to them. They reached to me. I get people every every week, let's say, reach to me with, oh, would you like to guest on this panel? Or could you speak about this? Or could you contribute blog content to this, et cetera, et cetera, which brings value to the company that I'm working for, obviously, because it gives outreach, gives me an excuse like, like we are now down to mention one up. Um, but that's taken time and realization. As I've done that, you then start to look back at company stuff and go, well, 
if I can do this here, what, what tricks can I do with the, with the company? What tricks have I learned through personally doing this that I can replicate back up into the business? And what I find often is marketing people, because they haven't built their own personal brand, they're missing so many basic tricks. And it's not, not because they're in the wrong, it's they just don't know what they don't know, right? They've got into the marketing sphere of all these things. I've done this through guerrilla marketing, you know, learning the hard way, hands on. And social influencers, we all talk to each other in the same sphere. I know all the other cloud social influencers and we give each other tips and tricks. Have oh, you seen this tool? Have you tried doing this? Have you tried this? What? So we get a lot of insight that marketing often doesn't because they're, they're too close to it. It's a really interesting point because I also think that comes down to recruitment technology as well. If you think there's a massive, massive space in rec tech when actually there's a whole world outside of it as well, where you can actually maybe use some other SaaS platforms inside your business. Do you have any do you have any tips to new new salespeople that are just getting started on the journey? So yeah, any new salespeople, I, I talk often on on sales advice and, and talk on things like top sales world. I'm a judge on, on the number of sales awards, etc. And I think people overcomplicate sales, right? It, 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 you're dealing in the majority, it's a human being talking to another human being and trying to figure out if they can bring value to them to justify them spending some money with you. And I think people overcomplicate. I, the number one skill I think that people need is questioning. And, and with that comes active listening, but is, question, is good questioning skills. And I interview, I have the pleasure to interview a lot of salespeople in my leadership roles in recruiting and building teams. But I also, in the judging of sales awards, get to meet a lot of salespeople from different industries and sectors. And it always surprises me how, if you ask a salesperson, well, what, what skills do you think you need to improve or help? They won't say questioning because it's basic, right? No, I've baked that, I've got that. I've done sales for two years, three years, five years, 10 years. I've, I've, I've got that. Uh, enterprise negotiation techniques or some, they'll come out with something illustrious, right? And I find invariably they're not good at questioning. They're just not, and, and even I've interviewed salespeople who've been doing it 30 years and they don't demonstrate good questioning even in the, in, in the interview process, which should be where a salesperson shines the best. You're selling yourself. If you can't sell yourself and demonstrate, that's where I would say a salesperson in an interview, you have the ability to demonstrate the skills that you have in the interview. You know, how, how many people can do that? How many people can demonstrate you know, your actual skill in the interview through what the interview is, what you do, you sell things. Well, I'm here to sell myself as the best asset for your business to bring value. And you should be qualifying is, am I right for you? Are you right for me? And managing that process and that meeting like you would, and they don't. Salespeople sit there in an interview often, wait for the question to be asked. They don't behave like a salesperson. And in my experience, the questioning of the majority is average at best. I completely agree. And actually, the best salespeople I've interviewed try and close the interview, if that makes sense. You know, they will try and close the, the role there and then because that's what they're, they're there to I, do. I do it every time. If I ask Derry, right, ask Derry, he got fed up with me because I have a programmatic. So fantastic. I've enjoyed the, 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 the time we've had to, today. Um, let me ask one final question, if I may. Uh, on the scale of one to 10, one being I'm the worst candidate for the next stage, 10 being I'm the best, where, where would you place me right now? I want to go and 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 you give me a you give me a six or a seven, great, Darren. Thank you for a seven. 
thank you so much for, for, for giving me that feedback. Let, let me ask, what would it have taken? What, what would have needed to be different for me to be an eight or a nine? It's absolutely brilliant. If nothing else, by asking that question, doing it professionally in your own style, I've just demonstrated something the next candidate didn't do. And I've just, and I've had people actually do it and go, well, about a seven in, I've asked that, gone through that, and they've gone, do you know what? You're an eight now. Because <laughs> the, the way you just handled that, you've just got an eight. There you go. It's basics. That's perfect. And I just want to bring it back to marketing because we've gone yeah. through the sure. new salespeople. Having seen both sides of the coin now, what tips you have some, for somebody joining in a marketing team of an organisation, maybe a SaaS business? How do they make an impact when it's an incredibly busy, varied role? So number one, I would suggest is speak to the salespeople, not just the sales leader. Speak to the people who are in front of your prospective customer or in front of your leads or in front of the challenges or up against the competition assimilate get an understanding of what's the reality because if you can give them a panacea as you give them leads that convert beautifully and are well qualified and they have a high win rate on them they will love you to death every single day so that that's surely your outcome you want to get so how best to understand how you've got the best chance to deliver that outcome by understanding what happens when they speak to a prospect, whether it's a show, a lead they've been passed, a cold call, what are their challenges? What are the problems? What's the, the, what's the selling environment look like? How can I help you get in front of more of the ideal customer profile, number one, and two, how do I put you in a place where the selling environment is easier? What assets do you need? What do you, oh, we need more case studies or, or we, always, we, we never have enough validity when we talk to this type of customer. Or what is it you're missing? What can I do to help the environment to win be better and to give you more of the right profile of client that you can execute upon? Do you understand really that? And if, my question to marketing is always, tell me all that information. Tell me if you truly understand that. Because if you don't, why don't you? Because you've got access to the people who can fill those gaps in for you. They're right in front of you. They're employed by you. Why, why don't you do that? Why don't you go and ask? I love that. Yeah, definitely. The relationship between sales and marketing is absolutely key. I want to finish on one final note. Um, we're raising money for the charity Mind, which is a mental health charity. We started during lockdown. We've come up with some really fun T-shirts, which I'll, I'll put a link out to. But one of the top sellers is Not Your Marketing Girl. Now, I want to talk to you about that because in your position, I imagine you've heard people be referred to as give that to the marketing girl, ask them to jazz that up, that sort of thing. What's your opinion on that term and what do you think we can do to stop that being a term going forward? Well, number one, I think it's derogatory, right? right. So my, my marketing manager, Callum, is not a girl. And when I hired for marketing, I, I was, it was irrelevant. I had, in fact, I had a majority of females. It, it, I'm just thinking about now, I wouldn't have the exact number, but candidate-wise, there was certainly a skew towards more females than males for the marketing role. I don't know why that is, uh, but it's a, to me, it's an irrelevance, but it's, whatever the role is, it's who's the person, two things I look for. What, one is the aptitude and, and ability. Who's the best person to, to do the role for what I need as an outcome right now? And two, it's fit for the team. And that's nothing to do with age or sex. It's to do with the person, right? The personality, um, and not that someone's got a bad personality or bad fit, but it's what's the dynamic of the business you've got 
and what so certain people are more corporate and they'll fit a corporate environment than an agile young fun environment right it's just just the nature of it so i'm looking for what's the best guess that they're going to fit and have fun and enjoy their job and they're going to work well with the people we've got and are they going to be able to do the job that's the two things i look for and it's irrelevant of you know the, the sex the age um, you know any of the background because that's that's that you know so i think that's a derogatory term yes a lot of people in marketing teams tend to be female but and i don't know the reason behind that but and a lot of people in sales, you know, my sales team is male. And I would love to add had some diversity, but I hired the best people for the role from the candidate pool that I saw who could most execute, regardless of, you know, sex. I'd love to have a mixed thing, but did I go out looking for it and saying, well, I must have two women in the team? No, it's irrelevant. It's irrelevant both, both directions. Absolutely. I think that's a good note to end on, actually. Um, for the people listening, how can they get in touch with you? How can they connect with you? Sure. Thanks, Darren. Yeah, come and find us at oneupsales.co.uk. Take a look at what we do. Um, it's pretty simple to understand when you have a look at it. And uh, talk to us if there's anything of interest. We prefer to talk to you than, uh, than email. Um, and for me personally, check out earmoist.co.uk. That'll take you straight to my LinkedIn profile. And by all means, connect and follow uh, me there. Thank you. Amazing. And for any pager customers watching or listening, we do integrate with one up sales and they're a fantastic, fantastic company. So do check them out. Thank you so much for your time. I will catch up with you soon. Thank you so much.